Hello, greetings and salutations and welcome to another Grand Day Out episode. I'm actually inside again. Turns out the world has literally just germs. <laughs> so, yeah, did contemplate going outside again, but thought better of it because germs. Also, it's now the second week or third week, well, for time... For timestamp purposes, we are recording this on Friday the 9th of October. Guess what that means? Last week was Bandcamp Friday. Yay! Everybody's favourite time of the month. For those of you who aren't in the know, Bandcamp Friday is a scheme run by those lovely folks over at Bandcamp who relinquish all of their fees for one day to help all of the artists on their platform and gives it all straight to the artists and performers. Because germs, they're a thing, aren't they? And there's no live shows. So I only bought four this time. I might go into another one on... Depends how it goes. Anyway, so the first one we're going to cover today is a band who you will probably all know of. I mean, you may not, but the name itself... Uh, is Anal Cunt. <laughs> so I purchased their very first... Well, it's not even their very first. It was their fir one of their first major releases on a record label that happens to be called Morbid Florist. So it was cost me around about three, four pounds, something like that. If you're unfamiliar with the lovely... I'm not going to call them by their name again. We're going to call them AC to, to avoid, you know, awkwardness. If you're unfamiliar with AC, they're effectively a shock, a shock grindcore band. Is is that a thing? Grindcore is definitely a thing because Napalm Death and Carcass. But shock, I don't know. So they're well known for putting out short, basically noises of offensive tracks a couple I cannot repeat on the podcast because they are that offensive, but when they're writing songs like, you know, I travelled back in time and voted for Hitler and I'm Hitler, you kind of know what you're going to get. They don't believe in the things, but they, they've done it purely to shock. Anyway, Morbid Florist, you can really hear their, their I hasten to say the word style, because their style is just with screaming guitars underneath. But for me, who is a fan of really strange, weird, niche music, it was quite nice to hear AC in their more primal state of just pure noise and aggression. And I can see how they later went on to sign with Earache, who then got dropped by Earache. <laughs> so yeah, it was really quite nice. I wouldn't necessarily go out my way and possibly buy it on a physical medium. I mean, I might if I ever saw it cheap, but chance of that happening now with uh, main man Seth Putnam having passed away a couple of years ago. Interesting thing about Seth Putnam, right? I'm going off on one. He, he actually went into a coma. Now, a couple of years previously, he wrote a song called Comas Are Gay. So when he came out of the coma, everybody... The sort of interview of him was like, well, how did you find it? And he said, well, it was as gay as I said it was in the song. 
So, yeah, Seth Putnam, everybody. Anyway, uh, for fans of more extreme music, maybe check it out just just to see, you know, why they caused such a fuss in the nineties. So the next album I purchased was by a small independent. I say independent. I believe they're actually signed to Candlelight Records, who are. A, they're not independent, but they're a smaller label that are based in the UK. Anyway, the band is called Eastern Front, and they're actually from Ipswich, which is about an hour, two hours down the road from me. And I've actually seen Eastern Front live because, yes, I'm one of those snobs. I actually saw them with a band called... Oh, God, who were they supporting? Nagura Bungit? Nagura Bungie? I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyway, I went into this gig not knowing anything about Eastern Front, not knowing anything about Nigirabunja. I went on a whim. <laughs> it was in Norwich. It was at the Waterfront studio. It wasn't even in the main Waterfront. For those of you who have ever been to the Waterfront in Norwich, there is... Or for those of you who haven't, it is a small... I hasten to use the word club. It's a small venue. It's separated on two floors. So you've got the ground floor which is a bigger room, can maybe hold about 500 people, 1,000 people, tops, maybe. God, listen to me. It's like the before times again. And anyway, you go upstairs, you go into the studio, and there is a smaller space, and that will hold maybe about 200 people, tops, in there. So I went and saw them in there, and Eastern Front came on, and they... They were absolutely mesmerising. So Eastern Front are a black metal band who happen to sing songs about what I think is World War One and World War Two. So think of a band like Sabaton, but heavier, uh, more screaming, more screaming guitars, fairly focused and insular on world war one and world war two that's kind of what you're getting but anyway the album i bought is called empire and yeah it's absolutely fan bloody tastic they even managed to get danny filth to feature on one of their tracks as well on a track called crimson morn which is just oh so 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 very good <laughs> so so very good definitely worth checking out eastern front if you want to you know get into a lot smaller bands within the UK. I don't even know if Eastern Front are still going. I know they were going as of 2013, 2014, when I saw them. But anyway, very, very good small local band who, who definitely need your support. Moving on from there, we, we're once again in the black metal realms and with a band called The Infernal Sea. Again, another small, independent UK band. They're, they're, I mean, I haven't listened to it all the way through yet, but I was really quite enjoying the tracks I've heard. Once again, it's black metal. Can you tell I'm on a bit of a black metal kick at the moment? <laughs> so, it's really timely, actually, that I bought this, because the front cover of it is kind of... It's basically a plague doctor holding his plague mask. You know, the masks with the long pointed nose look look a little bit like a bird. So 
I thought that was really quite interesting. So it actually looks like a it's a concept album as well, kind of delving into the macabre history of the Black Death and stuff. It, again, kind of appropriate given the year that we are having. <laughs> but yeah, once again, the Infernal Sea, nice little small independent band. Well worth a look if you are into, you know heavier black metal leanings. I mean, some people may not be, but if you want to get into more extreme music, you can't go wrong with the Infernal Sea. And finally, we have the PS de Resistance. Yes, it's, it's that good that I decided to speak a little bit of French for it. Do you know the Wild Hearts? You do? Oh, good. This will make this easy then. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the Wild Hearts are a rock band. They are great. Main man is Ginger Wildheart. Now, when he's not busy doing 12 million things in the universe, <laughs> such as, hey, hello, the Wild Hearts, and Mutation, to, to name but a few things, he has his own solo stuff as well. So I bought... On Bandcamp Friday, I couldn't pass this up. Absolutely amazing deal. I bought the collection called Flatulent Friday. <laughs> You're going, what the hell? Flatulent Friday. It, it's it's a joke that Ginger Wildheart fans will, will know. But anyway, so it's, um, it's a collection of 35 tracks. And it was about £10 or something similar to that. And you're going, what the hell? That's amazing. And then, until you kind of look further into it and you realise it's three albums. He's giving you three albums for a tenner. And you go, what the hell? That's, that's, that's so good. Good, good, amazing. So you're going, what, what are these albums that are, in contain, that are contained within quote-unquote Flatulent Friday? So you've got the Year of the Fan, which was released uh, 2015. You have also got Excessive Gas. <laughs> See what he did there? Excessive Gas, Flatulent Friday. It's, it's, it's a clever thing, okay? So, yeah, he's got that in Excessive Gas, which isn't actually supposed to be out until later this year in a physical format, which I thought was really quite cool. And then, as well, you've Got another collection that I can't see the name of on this goddamn picture. Oy vey. Ah, there we go. It's called Gas Mark II. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, yeah. So the album artwork itself is nothing too, too kind of interesting. It's just the three albums repeated over and over again all the way through. Which is fine, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. But anyway... Uh, Flatulent Friday, at, my god, three albums for a tenner, holy spudniks, well worth a listen. So you've got absolutely storm, storm, ah, I can't say it, absolutely fantastic tracks on here. You've got Honour, which is featuring Courtney Love from Hole and of... I don't want to disrespect the man, but, you know, she was... Kurt Cobain's, you know, widow. Anyway, moving on from that, you've got you've got 
which is that's really great. Honor is really good. You've got Toxins in Tea, another great track, a real nice sort of slow sing-along, basically lamenting the state of the UK. And that has the most standout um, lyrics that go, the human race is gone. See you later. I hope I come back as a chair. <laughs> Which is absolutely fantastic. You've got other tracks as well, like El Mundo, uh, Slow Fatigue which is absolutely fantastic as well. <coughs> Ways of Sadness, Don't Lose Your Tail Girl, Don't Stop Loving the Music, You've Got Brand New Sin. There's just so much to talk about. It's just so, so very, very awesome. I've got to admit, because it's three albums in, in one effective playlist, um... It loses steam here and there. But to be honest, three three albums for a tenor, how how just how can you pass that up? And it's Ginger Wildheart as well, who is possibly the most prolific songwriter within rock and one of the nicest people in in rock and roll today. So definitely, if you can get on that their band camp. And check out Flatulent Friday. <laughs> While we are still talking very tenuously about music, it's another sad day. So it's taken me a couple of days to process this, but we've got to talk about the one, the only, immortal Eddie Van Halen. So it was announced, uh, like I said, we are recording this Friday the 9th of October. It was announced Wednesday night that sadly the... The, the main man guitarist for legendary classic rock band Van Halen had passed away at the age of 65. Uh, reports saying that he had been suffering from throat cancer that had slowly spread to, to other parts of his body. And wow, what a man he was. So I remember hearing Van Halen for the very first time when... I was much, much younger, not necessarily into the genre stuff that I am now, like rock and metal. And I remember thinking, wow, what the hell are these noises? I mean, the man pioneered, it's effectively tapping on the neck of his guitar to create weird and wonderful noises, along with kind of dive bombs on the whammy bar for the strings, you know? a real true pioneer of rock music, you know, from those opening power chords of eruption, you know, into that blistering solo, you know, and then to, to the legendary cover of the Kinks with You Really Got Me, injecting life into a song by the Kinks, absolutely astonishing. As well, let, let's not forget about the opening little guitar tapping riff from hot for teacher as well even the catchiness of you know the single tattoo from their very last studio album which i think was called uh god damn i can't remember off the top of my head but you know it showed that he was still he still had immense skills and honestly kind of hearing about the throat cancer diagnosis explains why in the last couple of years, that the, the much, much rumoured original re 
uh, lineup of Van Halen never got back together again, which is really sad. I mean, devastated doesn't even cover how I feel about the passing of of Eddie Van Halen. You know who who leaves behind his son, who was in the band for a little while. Uh, I want to say his name was Wolfgang Van Halen as well. I mean, yeah, just wow. The fact that Dimebag Daryl asked to be buried with a one of Ed, Eddie Van Halen's guitars, you know, I think it was one of his signature guitars he was buried with, tells you how much influence kind of the man had on the rock and metal world, you know. He, he Ed, Eddie Van Halen was one of these players who took inspiration from classical music, much like Yngwie Malmsteen. At least a fucking fury um, did as well, you know. Just wow, just absolutely spellbound by the man's playing, and he's definitely going to be a mist. So Ed, Eddie Van Halen from all of us at the Anyone for Seconds podcast, myself and my brother included, Matt, who I know is a massive fan of Van Halen. We say. Rest in power, good sir. And the afterlife just gained one hell of a guitarist to join their band. Shall we talk about something just a tiny, teensy little bit happier? I think we probably should, because I feel a little bit emotional now talking about Van Halen, which is fine, because I will never shy away from expressing my open feelings. So within the UK, there is lots of different streaming companies, and there's two at the moment I want to kind of hone in on. So, BBC iPlayer, I can hear half of you going, boo, BBC. Whatever your feelings towards the BBC. Anyway, I've noticed very recently that they have put up all of the episodes from the 2000s reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it, of Battlestar Galactica. And my word, I am in nerd nirvana right now. I've only watched maybe the first one, two episodes, pilot episodes, which are about an hour and a hour, hour and a half each. My word, so good to see everybody return. And yeah, just it's Battlestar Galactica, isn't it? Which you know I missed the first time round, and supposedly it's left a big mark on sci-fi TV. And the things that we get today, today, you know. So, I'm checking that out. And obviously, if you don't know about Star Galactica, there's the the reboot from the 2000s. Get on it, and then we can nerd out together. The other streamer I want to talk about as well is Channel 4's streaming service called All Four. Now, I've noticed on there within the last couple of weeks, they have actually put on there all seven series, seven. Of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> now, don't judge me, but I've only seen select episodes from here and there. And I thought, well, considering that going outside is, you know, germs, basically, I thought now is the time to go back and revisit Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And who knows, maybe some of the lore and things I've picked up will be, you know might be useful in an upcoming video game episode, which is going to be way, 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 way in the future. Hook and tease, hook and tease. Stick around for that one. So first thing we've got to address, 
Joss Whedon. He is a bad, bad man. He's, he is a piece of shit. However, the creative influence he has left within geekdom cannot honestly be, you know, underestimated with, you know, effectively making his mark on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, which people forget is a reimagining of an earlier film from 1994, I want to say, also called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, effectively taking that campy campness, transposing it to TV, elongating, adding more to the lore, um, you know, kind of amping up the the darkness and, and things, you know, with a strong female lead character as well and, and, her, and her friends, effectively the Scooby gang, you know. You know, it's another one of those series that as well has left its mark within pop culture because I believe they bandied the term about in the writers' rooms of Monster of the Week, which still gets used to this day when you look at things like, you know, even like modern Doctor Who kind of does it. So you have your Monster of the Week and then you've got kind of a a thin-running overarching theme throughout the whole entire series you know it was absolutely groundbreaking back then and i'm slowly working through it now i think i'm about halfway three quarters of the way through season one at time of recording anyway i dare say i will be further along the line uh come next week by the time this episode comes out and finally to round out the triumvirate of things that we cover on the podcast by the way, we're now recording on October the 10th, which is the following day from the previous recording. So, I purchased today, and I've played for a good few hours, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. The uh, completely ground-up, remade, remastered versions of the game. Or games, I should say. I've, I was one, I was never one really for Tony Hawk's. I always found more enjoyment in Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX, if you are aware of this at all. So I vividly remember hours of me and my brother playing horse and the time trials and stuff on Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX. So really, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater basically, if you excuse the pun, skated passes. <laughs> I'm clever. Anyway... I have played Tony Hawk's before. I've definitely played a demo for the first and the second one when I was much, much younger. And it was only a few years ago that I actually played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, I think it was, on the Nintendo GameCube, where I was browsing around the charity shops when I used to live in deepest, darkest Peru. And I, uh, I found a copy on the GameCube of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 for about 50p, took it home, and yeah, I really quite enjoyed that. So coming back to these two games remastered in one, how does it compare? Honestly, it's like I've never put them down. They play exactly how I remember them playing. Obviously, you've got the gorgeous updated HD graphics in 4K. You've even got some of the original 
soundtracks from those games along with a couple of extra tracks here and there that they've included for this modern release i've obviously switched those off and gone straight for the old soundtrack so overall yeah a very very good i i've I mean, sure, it's going to take me a little while again to get the hang of it, to do all the tricks and things like that again. But overall, very, very solid. I was a little bit wary given how the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series has gone in the last five, six years or so. Most recently being Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I believe it was number five on the PS4. At the start of its life cycle, it being absolutely pants and need we talk about Tony Hawk's plastic peripheral skateboard thing no I'm not buying it I know I keep looking at it but I'm not buying it all right but Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remastered absolutely fantastic give me more of this if you want to remaster SSX Tricky next that would be awesome so the very last game I played was actually a free-to-play one on the PS4. You're going, ooh, free-to-play? What the hell, Dave? What is it? So it's called Genshin Impact. And I know you're thinking, what the hell is that? So the best way to describe it is it's an RPG action-adventure done in a an 3D anime-style that focuses on quests and looting. For a free-to-play game, it's not bad. It's not exceptional. But I played it last night for a solid three hours or so, and I got quite into it. I hadn't got a bloody clue what was going on for the majority of it. I just knew that I was playing as brightly coloured teen anime girl who then recruited brightly coloured teen anime girl number two who then went on to recruit brightly coloured teen anime boy <laughs> and they all have different elements and powers and yeah I couldn't really get well some of it was quite in ingenious where you had the pyro powers and they melt stuff it's basic you think basic attacks and stuff but in a free to play game it's pretty good I mean, the first hour, hour and a half, I wondered why it was free to play. And then it came clear to me that it runs on... They're not necessarily called loot boxes. Because it's anime, they've gone for a gachapon style. If you know gachapon, so gachapon in Japan is basically... You put a coin in a machine and then you twist the knob. And you get an egg out of the machine and it's got a cool thing in it. Think of the toys in the UK where you get sweets out of. It's that but on a larger scale. So this game runs upon like a loot box kind of gachapon system. So you put in a certain amount of money and you get certain items out or brightly teen anime coloured girls. Which is another one that I unlocked. Funnily enough, I unlocked a brightly coloured teen anime girl number three. You happens to carry a very large whacking sword. So that was nice. But for a free game, I really actually quite enjoyed it, all things considered. 
I wasn't expecting a lot from it, but the only reason I kind of went to download it is because I'd seen a couple of adverts on YouTube and I'd seen a couple of people that I know were actually streaming it. So I thought, eh, might as well give it a go. I believe it's actually available on Xbox One and I've got a feeling it might be on PC as well. I don't know whether that is through Epic or Steam or what have you. But if you get the chance, it might be worth a look if you're after some anime brightly coloured stuff. Because, my God, it's so very brightly coloured. And on, on this big new TV I've got with kind of all the the HD settings on, my God, it burnt my retinas. <laughs> so that's Genshin Impact. Have a look if you want. It's fairly okay. But definitely check out Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered because, my God, it's a whole load of fun and nostalgia.